Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2017. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. The end of the world is here again. Tomorrow is the rapture, at least according to some so-called Christians, and sadly even some identity Christians are caught up in the fervor over the expected alignment of certain of the planets. In addition, we have hurricanes, earthquakes, and massive fires in diverse places. And all of this is believed to presage the end of the world by millions of Christians, or so-called Christians, who really have no idea what it was like in the days of Noah, because their pastors cannot possibly teach them the truth. So this evening we will have some fun with this topic, and Pastor Mark Downey is going to help us to do so, and we hope to put a stick in the eye of the rapture crowd. I'm going to read an article that I wrote. It's a short article. It's only two pages. On February 10th, 2010, titled, Disdaining the Culture of Fear. I don't believe I ever put this article in a podcast before, but before I read it, I will introduce Pastor Downey. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Hi, Bill. Thank you for calling me last night at the last minute. At the last minute. <laughs> to I, I, put together I, I, uh, <laughs> an interesting program, I think. Well, right, I pray so, and yes, it is at the last minute, but the end of the world is supposed to really come at the last minute, right? I mean, you can't dilly-dally when it's the end of the world tomorrow, right? (laughs) Well, if I could open with a prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for this time tonight to glorify all that you do for your people Israel, and that we may distinguish those things that are contrary to God and man. We pray that you guard and guide your people from charlatans, soothsayers, and fools. Our people are in need of deliverance and mercy as never before in this apostate age of churchianity. May this program tonight awaken Israel from her slumber to arise and thresh the Jew devils from our land. As your word promises in Luke 171, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. And I would also say a prayer of gratitude for bringing Bill and Melissa and Clifton safely home on their long journey from Ohio. And it proves that all things do work together for good for those who love you that are called according to your purposes. In the mighty name of our kinsman redeemer, Jesus the Christ, amen. Amen. And and thank you. I didn't mention it, but yes, we arrived home. At around 7 p.m. last night from Ohio and successfully moved Clifton Emmerheiser, who could just no longer live by himself, moved him 
moved him into our home here in Florida and spent all day today unpacking trailers, a trailer and a truck because I have to return a truck tomorrow. It's, it's a lease, right? So it's, it's either return it tomorrow or pay $100 a day until Monday. So it's getting returned in the morning. <laughs> That's, <laughs> I'm not going to let them Jew me. <laughs> this is um, an article I wrote in February of 2010 because I was um, quite surprised at how many identity Christians were constantly caught up in this end of the world fervor. And, and um, when I wrote this, 20... Um, 2012, the, the December 21st, 2012 cult, even in Christian identity, which was perpetuated by Eli James above all others at the time, what was in full steam, and and there were other events worldwide that that were um, precipitating this kind of talk, but it shouldn't be so amongst Christians. There are extant accounts from the 10th century over a thousand years ago, that many Christians thought that the end of the age would come with the end of the first millennium. Actually, there were dozens of times during the first thousand years from the birth of Christ that such predictions came and went. Other popular dates for the end of the world were, ten, were 1666 and 1715. The year 1715 was actually conjectured by a man as brilliant as Isaac Newton himself, for it was found in one of his notebooks. And we have a um, an article that I will post a link to with this podcast, which is titled, Once Predicted End Times Dates. It wasn't written by myself. I believe this article was written by some British Israel adherents in Canada, I'm not entirely sure who the authors are. I think it was British Israel adherents in Canada, but it was definitely taken from a Canadian from a Canadian website. In the nineteenth century, a certain preacher who was an early leader of the so called Seventh day Adventist cult made a whole series of predictions based on certain interpretations of numbers found in the Bible, claiming that the return of Yahshua Christ at the end of this wicked age would transpire in 1844. Needless to say, when this article was written, 166 years later, and now of course 173 years later, we are still waiting. Many other cults have made similar predictions since then, and they have all gone by the wayside. But here's the big thing. A few, a very few people call the leaders of those cults into account. And those few calls are almost always ignored by the cult members. Now many of us may recollect, if indeed we would admit to it, the pastors and doomsayers who were predicting the end of the world in the 2000 calendar year, at the end of the second millennium, just 17 years ago. That year also came and went, and so did the memories of those predictions. The pastors who made them 
continue on today as if those predictions were never made. And we all know some of them. But we never saw or heard an apology from any of them. And James Wickstrom and Eli James were also in on those predictions. Surely, however, some of them also made lots of money selling books and sermons, playing on the fears of the people. But it never ends, and our collective curiosity and a desire to know just what it is that is in store for us, what is lurking just around the corner, is never really satiated. There are tales written by the Jew, Zechariah Sitchin, about Nibiru, a word which does appear in Sumerian inscriptions, but certainly does not mean what he claims it does, and it does not appear in the contexts in which he claims it does. People who have actually read and understood the ancient Sumerian inscriptions surely know that the Nibiru of the Sumerians is not even a planet, never mind a threat to the world as we know it today. Eli James was a huge proponent of Nibiru, not only in December 2012, but even after that failed, he's been looking for Nibiru ever since, and has made several other predictions since then, which have also failed. And that was actually originally coupled with the Mayan calendar interpretations and a New Age belief in the end of the world simply because one of the many cycles interpreted to be in that calendar was supposed to end at the winter solstice of 2012. Numbers in the Bible are feverishly reinterpreted in an attempt to match up dates that coincide with these claims. Where the numbers fail, Secret Bible codes are invented that purportedly reveal great and impending secrets, while the plain meaning of the text of the word is totally discarded. These end-time events are anticipated not only by Christians, but for other reasons also by New Age pagans and atheists alike, or by the proponents of a myriad of spiritual novelties. These things and others draw Christians off into a wonderland of New Age occultism and the failure to heed the gospel, which is the actual word of Yahshua Christ. And what does the scripture say? Please observe the following statements from our Lord and Savior. From Mark chapter 13, from verse 20, And accept that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he has chosen, he has shortened the days. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall arise, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in the heaven shall be shaken. 
and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels, and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. Ye know that summer is near. So ye, in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation, or this race, shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. And likewise, from Matthew chapter 24, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And now, (coughs) from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, this is Paul of Tarsus writing, Ye have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. There's no need for Paul to write this unto the Christians at Thessalonica because they can't know it. And finally, from 2 Peter chapter 3, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in a night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. If Yahweh would not reveal the day of his wrath to either man or angel, what makes anyone think that he would reveal it to either beast or devil? Speaking of the Mayans of the Mayan calendar, or speaking of Zechariah Sitchin, who certainly was a devil. (coughs) How could the Antichrist reveal to man the day of Yahweh's wrath, or the day of the coming of Christ, when God himself would not do it? Who are Christians to believe? Christ or Zechariah Sitchin, who is a known liar and a novelist, Christ, or the New Age freak show proponents of some Mayan calendar interpretation, which the Mayans themselves may not have even had. Those who predict end-time dates are doing so extraneously of the gospel outside of the gospel. Therefore, they are teaching their own vain conceits. And while it is evident that one thing is certain, that our time of distress will surely be greater 
in 2012 than it was in 2010, or it will surely be greater in 2022 than it is today. What should Christians fear? The Gospel tells Christians to fear nothing. Here are the words of Yahshua recorded in Luke chapter 12, right from verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trode one upon another, he, meaning Christ, began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be ye not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that they have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him, meaning Yahweh God, fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yeah, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also, I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Denying Christ, who tells you that you cannot know the day, by claiming that you know the day, you will be denied before the angels of God. Eli James, Hal Lindsay, and all the like should take note. James Wickstrom Likewise, Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as a, as a travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. And Paul is telling us that being Christians, we should not have any fear because the day of destruction will not overcome us. It is clear from this and from many other scriptures that the day of Yahweh's wrath is intended for the destruction of his enemies. If Christians act as the children of light which they are, they have nothing to fear from the wrath of Yahweh. Those who worry are probably those who have something to worry about, regardless of whether they are even conscious of that fact. We read in Luke chapter 19, 
And he called his ten servants, and delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy until I come. That word which was translated as occupy in the King James Version actually means conduct your business. Conduct your business. Go about your business until I come. That's all we have to do as Christians. As we read in Genesis chapter 15, After these things the word of Yahweh came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Yahweh, God being our shield, we have nothing to fear. Keep the Christian faith, and not the faith of these so-called New Agers, or aliens, or of devils. There are none who can tell the past or the future except by Yahweh. In Isaiah chapter 45, Yahweh challenged the false gods with the statement, Show me the things that have been and the things that will be, and then we will know that ye are gods. And of course, the idols of antiquity could not show either the things that had been or the things that would be. So they were not gods. Biblical prophecy exists, not so that man can look at it and tell the future. Rather, it exists so that man can see its fulfillment and know that Yahweh is God and that he keeps his word. And that's the end of my short article from 2010. And except for the, except that the, for the fact that it could use an update or two, it's every bit as relevant today. Yeah, it sure is, Bill. That was a great article. Um, you said so many things there. Uh, you know, there's just, there's nothing good about false prophecies. In fact, uh, it was so serious in ancient times that a false prophet was to be put to death. Um, yeah, it, it, it does create fear in the hearts of people. Um, and, um, it, it denigrates real prophecy. It um, turns some people off to Christianity because of uh, all these false prophets that aren't wrong just one or twice. But there was a a character named uh, Harold Camping years ago. I think he made something like eight or nine prophecies about the end of the world. uh, And all of them never came to pass, of course, and uh, he eventually died in his 90s. But for these false prophets, um, it, it makes you wonder why they do what they do. It's it's either uh, an ego booster, or there, there certainly is uh, money to be had, uh, because people just love to be titillated with uh, itching ears for such things. And perhaps maybe that's why uh, we were a little vulnerable back in 2012 when um, 
Eli James started bringing in this Trojan horse, um, I recall that all the, the YouTubes that were, were going on, there was quite a bit of uh, hubbub and fanfare about the whole thing, even the mainstream media. And um, we should have been wiser to the fact, to the, the sole reason that we shouldn't have taken it seriously because the Mayans were like Indians. They weren't white. And uh, I, I, rem I remember a joke at the time that um, some guys said, well, the scribe's uh, ballpoint pen just ran out of ink. That's why it landed on 2012. The, um, this... This most recent thing, which is supposed to happen tomorrow, I don't think has quite as much uh, thrust as the uh, the Mayan calendar, but um, it, it's it's more along the lines of uh, a, a rapture uh, theory, as you uh, said earlier, and um, there's there seems to be a um, a charismatic or Pentecostal strain within the um, the rapture crowd, and they always seem to be looking for signs uh, so that they can anticipate the rapture. And and no doubt, uh, a lot of these people are so impatient that the idols of their heart beckon a false prophet to come along and, and give them a date. And so, um, you know, I, I have a, a bit of an anecdote that I forget when I said this in some sermon, but I said the, the Lord gave me a sign the other day and uh, it said Staying in bed, shouting, oh, God, does not constitute going to church. Now, some people failed to see the humor in that, and they got rather upset that God would give Mark Downey a sign. Who's he? Hmm. Even though I kind of said it tongue-in-cheek, you know, <laughs> ignoring the fact that I saw a sign on a church reader board. <laughs> That's where I got it. But it was absolutely a sign as in the days of Noah when there was so much carnal abominations that the flood wiped them all out. And, and of course, your rapture crowds or most of Judeo-Christianity don't want to admit that the only reason Noah and his family survived was because they were racially pure. They were perfect in their generations. And so I believe there's a, a racial component to false prophecies. Um, aside from the, the Mayan calendar, 
Well, well, this is real, real quick, Mark. I, I don't want to interrupt you too much, but real quick, the um, if you put Rapture September twenty third into Google, you come up with three hundred ninety one thousand hits. <laughs> um, National Geographic is writing about it. Fox News is writing about it. Several b- big British newspapers are writing about it. Um, they're mixing Nibiru into it. And they're uh-huh. pinning it all on Christian cults. I've seen um, certain identity Christians repost some of this trash on Facebook in in social media. It, it's um, not many of them, but a few of them are sucked in by everything that they hear like this, and they have to repeat it. And, and of course, they should never repeat it. Here's ABC7.com talking about Planet Planet X, the 2017 arrival, and and it's September 23rd, and it's being pinned on Christian sects or Christian cults. Maybe it's a Jewish fake news campaign to make Christians look like idiots, but I do know that there are even some identity Christians that are caught up in this ridiculous fervor. Well, I go along the lines with that. Um, I mentioned a Trojan horse earlier, and and by the way, I'm just speaking off the cuff, so I don't have any notes or anything. Well, well, right, that's Rabbi James and his Trojan horse. 2012 was a Trojan horse. He still has that paper on his website, Why 2012, here in 2017. That's that's disgraceful. That shows no shame what I was talking about earlier, that someone can falsely predict uh, the end of the earth and it doesn't happen and they have no shame. Um, I, I was saying earlier that people have this impatience and, and really the rapture crowd thinks they're going to they're gonna leave the earth while it's there's this tribulation going on, but, but my Bible says tribulation worketh patience. <laughs> and uh, as I said just a moment ago, there is a a, um, a racial component to this, and probably the person most responsible for single-handedly perpetuating the uh, the rapture doctrine was C.I. Schofield, and. Um, from which so many of his margin notes uh, lend to uh, this idea of convoluting our understanding, what our understanding should be of of earth and heaven, uh, which I think Christian identity for the most part has, has correctly ascertained. But, you know, Schofield, he wouldn't have been anything without his money man. And you know who his uh, his uh, financier was? Samuel Untermeyer. Um, I was, I have been researching this last week uh, about the Reichstag fire, which happened in 1933. And at that same time, uh, at that time of year, all of world Jewry 
declared war on Germany. And one of the primary movers and shakers in America was Samuel Untermeyer. And he said at that time that Germany had to be destroyed. For the Jew, this was a holy war. And so I, I hope we can connect the dots there to Schofield and how his leaning towards generating a generation of rapturists who don't have the patience to accept that no man will know the hour or day um, should, should see Schofield as uh, an enemy of the white race uh, for deceiving our people. You know, the, the motto of the Mossad is, by way of deception, we shall wage war. And the Jew is a master of deception. And uh, what better way than to get the sheeple corralled into an idea that their time on earth is short and that they will fly up into the clouds to get their mansion and live with the Lord in outer space forever. Well, well right. It's a and, complete and, uh, denial that just the opposite is said in the Psalms, I believe, that says the heaven. Even the heavens are the Lord's, but to man he giveth the earth. There's no doubt that Schofield didn't, I'm sorry, there's no doubt that Schofield popularized the rapture. He certainly did. It's an idea that's been around for hundreds of years, though. Um, with tonight's program, I posted a painting called The Ascent of the Blessed by Hieronymus Bosch in the 15th or 16th century. I think it was the 16th century. I could be wrong. It could be the 15th. It's that. It's right in that era, though. That right. the um, the idea wasn't accepted universally. Universally amongst Christians, though, and Schofield did indeed lend a great hand to popularizing that rapture idea, and he also popularized a few other bad ideas like. Um, modern Zionism, right? I mean, he, he created an interpretation of scripture that's actually an antichrist interpretation that, that um, helps to glorify the modern day Jews and, and that the um, concept of Christian Zionism. So, there, there's no doubt that he hasn't done us a lot of damage in several areas. Well, you could say it's it's almost kind of a pacification program uh, in which they not only inculcate fear, but um, uh, an apathy uh, towards doing anything uh, Christian in their lives. Well, well, right. The rapture concept... Um, encourages Christians not to build the kingdom of heaven on earth. 
because they're not going to be here anyway. They're going to be taken out of it. Well, as erroneous as most of their teachings are, all they talk about is, is salvation and not just for white people, but uh, everybody. God loves everybody for them. And um, so with that kind of uh, universalism, the, um, the, the rapture itself is denying the way, the truth, and the life. It, it, it puts a completely different mindset into what the Christian should have. Um, you know, Christianity, the, the Word of God, is it's all positive for those that, that can hear it. Christ said, my sheep hear my voice, and they wouldn't hear it if, if it was just all negative and, and full of doom and gloom, but that's exactly what, what the, uh, the idea of the end of the world is. It's, uh, it's feeding uh, off of these doom mongers. And um, and according to them, it's um, tomorrow. <laughs> <clears throat> that may be why some of the media is picking up on it just now. But uh, I don't think it had the momentum that the Mayan calendar had uh, weeks and months before the actual date. Well, well no, it didn't. It, it didn't. The Mayan calendar, 2012, right? I, I mean, I think Eli wrote his article on 2012, three or four years before 2012. And he, I remember he had a um, countdown clock, a 2012 countdown clock, which was oh. provided as a plug-in by a, an independent website, right? Anybody could copy the code and use it. He had this countdown clock on the bottom of his website from as early as 2008, maybe even before that. Well, it's a little like Chicken Little, you know, who kept saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and it never fell. Or um, the boy that cried wolf until it, it became so uh, mundane that the day that the wolf walked into town and started devouring people, they weren't ready. And so um, the rapture itself is, is disarming, I think, people's spiritual life. Um, you know, they, they think that they're going to escape all of this uh, tribulation uh, and, and the people that didn't think like them uh, will be experiencing seven years of tribulation, the great tribulation. And, you know, that is so insulting to the saints and martyrs of Christ for the last 2,000 years. Are these idiots trying to tell us that Christians haven't suffered, that they haven't gone through tribulations? I mean, just as I said earlier, tribulation worketh patience. So I would think that that mechanism has been in operation for our well-being 
uh, over the centuries. But a rapture doctrine would disarm that kind of thinking. Well, well, absolutely. The rapture, the rapture doctrine is is just wrong on many levels. It, it's not supported by scripture. It's not really supported by one Thessalonians chapter four, the way they think it is. It, it's not really what Paul is saying, the way it appears that he's saying in the King James translation of the English. It, it's um, and and it teaches people to be disaffected about the world around them, and and just like the um, concept of being saved in a water baptism, it gives people a sense of self-righteousness that they're going to be taken out of this world without any responsibility to establish the kingdom of heaven while they're here. Or, or even on the disappearance of the wicked, which is what the Bible really teaches, the establishment of the kingdom of heaven when that happens. And they have no responsibility to arise and thresh or, or to pay back unto fallen mystery Babylon double as she rewarded us. That that's that there's some real responsibilities taught in, in Christian scripture that Christians should really be looking forward to. But instead they're deceived by the wicked and, and by men like Cyrus Schofield. Well, a little bit different twist on what's supposed to happen tomorrow by one of the leading proponents is uh, some kind of astronomical alignment, um, which you mentioned the, uh, the Jewish charlatan uh, Sitchin, um, who magically deciphered Sumerian tablets about this planet X or... Um, Nibiru. Right. And and yeah. these these Sumerian tablets have um have long been translated, deciphered. But Sitchin he came up with a novel tale about these that these translation about these tablets and what they're really saying. He made up his own story to suit this theology or or cosmogony or, or, or this philosophy or whatever you want to call it that he was pushing. In, in his novels, he, he just made up a marvelous tale. And, and he made up several tales, actually, so that he could um, basically create a new religion, which is what he did. And, and for that, for an identity Christian pastor to even use the word Nibiru in the way that Zechariah Sitchin did, it is a, um, a severe... Theological lapse. It it really is, to say the least, to put it in the nicest terms. Right. Well, it it may have been palatable to New Agers or some gullible Christians, but um, this this uh, planetary alignment that they're talking about tomorrow of um, Virgil, Leo, the Sun, the Moon, Mars, Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter. Uh, they're they're trying to connect the dots of this um, with the the Book of Revelation, specifically chapter twelve, that describes 
a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet with a crown of 12 stars uh, giving birth to the man-child. Well, any Christian identity uh, adherent should know that that's not talking about a literal sun and moon or, or we should, you know, the, the clue is, is 12, 12 stars, 12 tribes of Israel. And, uh, and the woman represents uh, uh, clothed with um, the sun and the moon, I guess you could say is political and ecclesiastical power. And, um, but they're, they're twisting things, to, and it's not really even plausible that um, this is anything special. Uh, in my short period of research today, I found out that this same, same exact um, alignment has happened four times in uh, the last millennium, and all of them were in September. And there's nothing to indicate that back then, in, on those dates, that anybody was uh, particularly worried about the end of the world. Well, well right. I mean, <laughs> look at the um, the four blood moons of John Hagee. Didn't that what what happened there? Nothing. He he made millions of dollars probably on his book. And, and preaching tours and sermons and and nothing happened. So, th- well, it shows a lack of integrity in in their scholarship because uh, I believe the 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 zodiac was the glory of God in the stars, which later became corrupted and polluted by astrologists. But and I have an article on that. Uh, which is on my website that describes the, um, the the story, which does no harm to the written text of the Bible. Uh, that, that essentially says the same thing. So, if if you want to look at look at it purely in those terms, um, the Virgin in the zodiac eventually. Uh, went to war with the great red dragon, and uh, the serpent was uh, slain, uh, which was their interpretation in ancient times. They they had that understanding before the Bible was ever written. Well, well, right. To me, the signs in if you come on, if you go outside and and here in where we are in Florida. We have hardly any light noise, and we could see zillions of stars. If you go outside and look at the sky, you don't see pictures of the sky. You don't see those pictures. I can't see those pictures. Those pictures were conceived, those constellations, and the drawings that were made to represent them were conceived by early members of our race, who knew the story of the gospel because they except with a couple of recent um 
recent changes, and, and when I say recent, I mean rather recent in history, in, in Roman times there were some changes in what was perceived as the zodiac. They do tell the story of the gospel, those pictures. So they were drawn, they were conceived by people who knew the gospel story, even without the assistance of the written gospel. There's no doubt. And and it's a wonderful story, and it represents ancient wisdom of our race. That doesn't mean that we should extrapolate that into end-time predictions or um, astrology. That A lot of the things that we see in astrology, which is really um, a form of soothsaying, I would think, that, that that aren't legitimate and that aren't exactly healthy. So yeah, I mean, there's a wonderful story in the stars. There, there's no doubt, but it's not actually in the stars. It was made by our ancestors, who who pictured the stars in that manner to tell right, the was, glory of it God. It was some kind of divine revelation at the time, uh, which was a precursor, a, a simple precursor to. Uh, the written text. But um, it, it just, it, it boggles the imagination how some people are trying to convey the idea <coughs> uh, that tomorrow all hell is going to break loose. <laughs> but uh, they just don't seem very convincing. Gee, I wonder why. Oh, yeah. Maybe because all hell has been breaking loose for the last couple of weeks with hurricanes, and they've kind of uh, overshadowed all the uh, wildfires that are going on out west, and uh, and and then that uh, massive earthquake in Mexico. Uh, that was no small tremor. And so people are going, what are you talking about? You know, uh, things are pretty bad as it is. And um, so really it's a bit disingenuous. And, and um, besides trying to convince just gullible people about this and maybe sell a few books before all hell breaks loose tomorrow, um they have the scientific community to deal with. And um, NASA has, for years, completely disavowed um, any reality to um, these extraordinary astronomical um, happenings, or lack thereof. And um, I just... From a standpoint of science, uh, such a large body as a planet headed in our direction, you would think would have some kind of gravitational pull on its way here. Uh, it would be observable uh, with uh, amateur astronomers to uh, see a, a difference in, in the night sky as to the position of uh, many of the familiar planets that are easily seen. And it's just not happening. There's zero effect of, of 
some kind of monster planet headed our way. It's just not, there's no evidence for it. Well, well right, there's never been evidence for it. And, and it's been coming and, and coming and coming and coming. It's come, it, it's been coming 50 times, 100 times in the last 10 or 20 years. And, and it never comes. But th- this um, cult mythos was created from the works of this Jew. I, I don't, I, I mean, we've always had a sort of Planet X in, in, um, in pop culture, uh, I mean, stemming from the, the 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 early media and and early entertainment industry, there was a Planet X and early radio, but it was never a a body who, which would have an orbit threatening our existence, right? It was never going to crash into Earth. It it was just a a, a strange unknown place from which aliens or, or or depending on the movie or the comic strip what were said to come and it, and it was all a um a, a a facet of pop culture entertainment it it was for for comic books it was for tv programs it it was never for christian religion and and it's been absorbed into Christianity that this and and into new age and pagan religions as well but it's a pop culture it's it's an aspect of pop culture it's not christian at all it's not christian by any stretch of the imagination and and it it's um actually quite absurd it really has become kind of a tabloid religion please don't bother me with the facts you <laughs> uh. And thank goodness, you know, not all of um, the church world has has fallen for this. And uh, likewise, um, you know, we should be a notch above churchianity and that no one in Christian identity should be falling for this, uh, which I guess is is the reason why we're talking about this tonight, that... um, uh, People in Christian identity should always just stick with the word and and not what man has to say. If man isn't reiterating the principle of of the word of God, then it's the traditions of man. And and that'll get us into trouble every time. Because, you know, where where is this going to lead us? Um uh, and it's ambiguous in, okay, if it's going to destroy the world, then how can there be a seven-year period of tribulation? I guess it's people that are hiding in their basements, you know, or were uh, in a cave somewhere when it all happens. But uh, see, it just gets into ridiculous speculation. No doubt. The, uh, go ahead. No doubt. I'm just in agreement. It, it, it's all ridiculous speculation, and and it's speculation that Christians should stay away from. It, it's a huge distraction. It, it's it almost becomes a form of idolatry. And in fact, it is a form of idolatry. If you put your faith in the fact that 
a, a um, an unknown heavenly body is going to come and destroy the world, isn't that a form of idolatry? That's no different than worshiping graven images. Not that I could tell. Right. Well, one of the main perpetrators uh, goes by the name of David Mead. And um, he's a a self-appointed specialist in research and investigations, conspiracies and whatnot. And um, he seems to be getting more publicity than than others. Um, But... uh, he uh, he is saying that this thing is going to reveal itself in the skies over Jerusalem, <laughs> uh, which you know, red flag. You know, yeah, right, red flag. So, so a a planet which is basically uh, an insentient body, right, has the power to reveal itself. Yeah, and I've I've read some other ridiculous notions that, uh, well, we we can't see it because it's like in Star Trek where it's being cloaked by the mothership, right? Okay, um, give me my tinfoil hat, please. Um, but but here's here's where he's hedging his bets. Uh, David Mead says this is signaling the beginning of the end of the world. Here's the clincher, as we know it. Now, that could mean anything. Right. You know? Um, well, right. Absolutely. He, he, I mean, he, he's simply um, kind of making it up as he goes along, which rapturists have done for decades. And, uh, and people love to have it so. I mean, how many hoaxes uh, does it take before our people wake up and and have the wherewithal to understand that um, these are con artists and that they've been conned? That, hey, this is what the Bible is talking about, false prophets. Why is it? that in this day and age, false prophets flourish. Well, it's because uh, we no longer have God's law as the law of the land. Otherwise, they would have been executed a long time ago. It's just amazing to me how America has so quickly turned from a a Christian nation to uh, an apostate ash heap of history where we've simply fallen away from the integrity of God's word we the churches have nailed the laws to the cross therefore they don't have to punish anybody for oh being wrong about predicting something as little as the end of the earth, but, um, you know, it, it just, life goes on. Well, I guess Saturdays came and went. In fact, I, I was reading just earlier that it's already Saturday in the Fiji islands and they're not seeing anything. 
So uh, it's kind of like an eclipse, you know, that's traveling uh, across the continents and whatnot. Um, it's just nobody's seen anything yet. Maybe they need the um, the secret glasses to uh, to watch it. I don't know. Well, somebody in um in England, a, a friend of ours in in England, just posted a a meme on Facebook that said, "Well, so far no rapture. Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> like he, it's a joke, right? But he's acting like he's disappointed because. Over there, it is the um, it it is September twenty third, right? In yeah. the early morning hours, at least. <laughs> that that's it just to show. I'm getting a little ticked off here. Nothing's happening. That that's just to mention that the account that the extent to which this has has um affected identity Christian people, whether they accept it or not, they see it, right? And and some of them have followed along and and have reposted things in anticipation or or asked questions in anticipation, and others have have, have just laughed at them, right? But it's it's even in Christian identity, it's sad that the Nibiru thing, that the um, Planet X comet Elenin was Nibiru for a little while, and that fizzled and. Then they choose a different heavenly body and a a new date to be Nibiru for a while until that comes and goes. And and these people are never, ever held accountable that they should be a laughing stock to all of us. Yeah. And I mean, unison- what are their credentials anyway? Um, this David Mead, when... Um, he, he's getting a reputation for himself. Well, all these reporters, when push comes to shove, they they want to know what his credentials are. And so he finally told them um, that he went to the University of Louisville, right here in Kentucky. And so, like good investigative journalists, what few and far between there are, um, they went to the university and... Uh, L said that they couldn't verify whether uh, that person was a student there. They had no records of, of the name David Mead. So, you know, this almost kind of smacks of uh, some kind of um, uh, actor straight out of uh, CIA casting where they do these kind of things. And... Um, uh, of course, the, uh, the they say that the CIA is is split into two factions. One uh, Jews and and the other half still have some kind of uh, uh, love for the land on which they were born. But um, yeah, the 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 New World Order is, is can definitely be uh, ha- smell uh, of um, of something that's not right here, that um, that we we have a, a main spokesman for for something as grandiose as the end of the world, and hardly anybody knows anything about him. He's very secretive, and that might not even be his real name, for all we know. But but one thing he did say, he said, "I was raised a Catholic." And all Catholics believe the Bible. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I, I really had a laugh at that one uh, because evidently he doesn't know Catholic history where the Bible was chained to the pulpit for centuries before any Catholic ever had the right or privilege to read from it directly themselves or to have a copy of their own. Of course, Gutenberg changed all that. Incredible. But he was raised a Catholic, and all Catholics believe the Bible. Yeah, okay. I, um, yeah, right, I went to Catholic school for ten years of my life, and, and there was very little talking about, about the Bible. That There was a little bit in, in, in the early years in a very traditional Catholic school that, that was sort of like pre-Vatican II, but, but, um, or at least still had a pre-Vatican II mentality, and, and, and... Um, a more formal expression of faith, but but the later schools and the high schools that I went to, they were Catholic. Were, were a, it, it was a joke. They didn't believe the Bible. They didn't. I never heard mention of the Bible. Well, God bless you, Bill. You weren't a very good Catholic. Well, well, I guess not. I, I mean, the the um. <laughs> It, the the Jesus of my later Catholic school years was the hippie, um, lovey-dovey, easygoing, Jesus loves everybody sort of character. Already, even even in 1972, 1973, in in my later years of grade school. So that if, if that's what you want to call believing the Bible, I, I don't think Catholics even know anything about the Bible. Right. Most well, don't. in fact, if they have a vicar of Christ, which means uh, a substitute, right, or replacement, or spokesman um, for Christ on earth, then you have a vicarious religion that isn't Christianity at all. Oh, well, just well, one absolutely. more thing about That's absolutely true. Uh, uh, this David Mead, he's, he's also into uh, conspiracy theories, and and uh, he just loves Donald Trump. And so he um, he wrote another book, um, the coup d'état against President Donald J. Trump, and he he asserts in this book that a shadow government is trying to overthrow Trump and purports to expose high-stakes collaboration of fifth columnists orchestrated by the controlled media and globalists such as billionaire George Soros, end quote. Well, what's wrong with this picture? Well, <laughs> I for one don't believe that um, Trump is the real deal. He He's just uh, another... Um, actor on the stage it's um, he's just doing his job of political theater and uh, not too bad of a job he's, he has a lot of people believing him even uh, the diehards he can completely flip-flop on every issue and they're still behind him um, maybe not Ann Coulter she's kind of given up on him but um, you know it, it's Jews that that control, if you want to call it, fifth columnist or a shadow government 
or globalist or controlled media. They're all Jews. And they're all financed um, by the House of Rothschilds. And maybe that's why they want um, an end of the world is because uh, it, it's going to be the, the end of their world. <laughs> and uh, um, adversaries like Eli James, they don't want to uh, demonize their or hurt their poor little feelings uh, about being exterminated. But that's what my Bible says. You know, why would you want to tell people that um, that they're somehow going to be cohabitating the earth while the kingdom of God is in full bloom? Uh, I don't get that one. Or is my understanding of the kingdom of God, which the churches never talk about, the rapturists don't have a clue, uh, is about the white race, the kingdom. Jesus was speaking to the kingdom, uh, to Israelites. That's who he came for. And, uh, well, maybe that's the bugaboo. It has a racial message. There's a racial import to all of this stuff. And, uh, and so this David Mead, he's merely doing his part to distract people, to deceive people, even with the most ludicrous of predictions, that being the end of the world. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned earlier, there's that verse about um, the... the the earth shall melt away in a fervent heat or something like that. Well, that's not talking about the literal planet. That's talking about the world that Jesus said he wasn't a part of. That's the Jewish system of uh, uh, taking over the white man's governments. Well, of, that's the fall of Mystery Babylon. It, it's the Jew wanting to rule the world instead of God. The, the sun and moon are, are um, allegorically used many times in that in, in that's in similar contexts in the Revelation and in the words of the prophets and Peter is not necessarily speaking literally. He he is speaking an allegory in, in prophetic language. So that is true. It's not necessarily literal. The The planet is not going to melt, whether it's flat or round. Yeah, let's see what the, else the, I can um, the, the I'm sorry. The planet is not going to melt because the city of God descends from heaven in Revelation chapter 21, at the end of the book, it has to have some place to land. That That's just a simple way to look at it, right? Right. So Peter can't be speaking literally, but because that city of God has rivers and trees and what we need 
earth in order to have those things I, I believe so so it can't be taken literally that the that the whole planet is going to melt or dissolve in in fire and and there's going to be nothing left there's no ground to stand on there's no kingdom of heaven at all it's not the kingdom in heaven so that's absolutely true peter is speaking allegorically yeah, it's rather a smug attitude that uh, you'll be living in your mansion uh, safely up there in heaven while all your former friends are burned to a crisp. Real nice attitude there. Well, well right. That's the, um, the self-righteous attitude that mainstream Judeo-Christianity with its promotion of individualism leads people to follow. It, it's definitely self-righteous. If you Here's another thing. Um, and I learned this from Christreich. That, you know, the, the rapturists say, okay, there's going to be a seven-year period of tribulation, and after that will be the thousand-year reign of Christ. Right. But as you explain uh, in Christreich, that's already happened. And when I read that, that was a complete new revelation to me, but it made all kinds of sense that um, uh, for approximately uh, uh, a millennium, a uh, white race was Jew-free for the most part. Right. It was the first restoration. It was the first restoration of the children of Israel. The word is translated resurrection in the King James and other versions. That's very unfortunate. And there's a line in there about the resurrection of the dead that was an interpolation that shouldn't have been it, it it shouldn't have been included in any Bible version. It's a it's a um I I was led to believe in the apparatus of the twenty seventh edition of the Nestle Aland text that that line appeared in the ninth century. I've since learned from the 28th edition of the Nestle Aland text that the line is in the Codex Alexandrinus, and I was able to verify that by actually looking at um, photographs of that section of the Codex Alexandrinus. So the line was added evidently in that manuscript in the 5th century. But it's not in any of the other manuscripts of the Revelation. And once you remove that line and correctly translate um, the word restoration, it, it's um, seeing, understanding that the scripture is speaking about the restoration of the kingdom to the children of Israel as the apostles had anticipated at the ascent of Christ where they said, at this time will you restore the kingdom to the children of Israel. Understanding that, and understanding that the gospel message was taken to the children of Israel in Europe, because that's where they were scattered, we can understand that the thousand-year hegemony of the European race in a virtual Jew-free state, in a Christian state, um, represents that first restoration of the children of Israel. And 
since then, Satan has gone out to deceive all the nations and gather them against the camp of the saints. That is the point in prophecy where we are now. And and that's very clear, and, and it can be made very clear. Once you have the... Um, the, the identity understanding of scripture. Yep. The, um, the Samuel Untermeyers today, the bag men that uh, uh, make wealthy evangelists um, wouldn't, po- wouldn't uh, tolerate uh, their Joel Osteens or, or the, the David Meads or, or any of the the, the big wigs um, purporting to be uh, uh, Christian expositors. They just, they simply wouldn't able, be able to tolerate such teachings. Uh, today when I was uh, researching, something caught my eye. It was some feminist that wrote about the ten uh, most dangerous Christian identity uh, groups in the country. Okay, I'll take the bait. And uh, here's a listing. And I notice Eli James is right at the top. <laughs> but nowhere to be found is Christogenia or Kinsman Redeemer, right? They, they don't want us to exist. They don't want anybody to have even heard of, of these names. Well, well, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm really pretty surprised that the um, the Jewish paper, the Forward, had mentioned Christogenia in um, in relation to the rather unfortunate recent arrest of a British soldier who is actually a member of the Christogenia Forum. Right. And that story was picked up by several British newspapers who also mentioned Christogenia just as the Jewish forward did but it didn't give me a boost in visitors yeah. <laughs> I, I received no discernible boost in visitors from those mentions so well since the uh, Charlottesville um, thing that you went to uh, I've been hounded by the Cincinnati newspaper and TV stations and there's this one guy, um, he's been emailing me trying to get a, you know, he really wants to understand Christian identity. Right. So I was, um, I Googled his name, and he's the editor of Race and City Issues. And he's what I would call a race trader, because all he can write about are the, the redeeming, values of Black Lives Matter and and um, how wonderful these inner city people are, blah, blah, blah. Because um, we just couldn't have culture without them. I, I mean, we would be a lost civilization, yeah. Right. Um, look at all the contributions, I mean. But, you know, really, um, we only have time for our own people. We don't have time for you know, and I would put um, these um, uh, so-called journalists and, and media people in the same category as false prophets. Uh, they're they're basically doing the same thing. Uh, uh, 
in disinformation. <coughs> and well, well, since Charlottesville, I've I've lost um, half of my account at Spreadshirt, where where Krista getting a T-shirts come from. I, I've lost, um, and I'm going to pull the whole thing. And and because they've taken down a lot of my um, my designs, and and I've lost my book platform. I've lost my Lulu account just the other day. I haven't really announced it until just now. I think I made a post on Facebook concerning it, but but I lost the Christogenia New Testament is not available in in hard copy right now. Neither is Christstrike because I have to find another print-on-demand printer that'll print my work. Lulu dropped me two days ago as I was on the road. That They just canceled my account, no recourse, just as PayPal did back in May. Lulu dropped me two days ago. Now, see, Bill, I would call that kind of um, harassment, I'd call that tribulation. There's your tribulation for you. Well, well right, like they're going to stop me, right? Oh, they, they may think that they're intimidating us, that we'll just throw in the towel and give up. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I um, did a little bit of street activism uh, about two years ago when uh, Robert Randell was running for the Senate here in Kentucky, his theme was, with Jews we lose. And <laughs> we were on the street corner, and... Uh, all of a sudden, these Holocaust survivors come out of the woodwork and calling us Nazis and all this stuff. And evidently, um, the little strip mall with a parking lot where our vehicles were parked, um, uh, the, my tires were slashed, and there was a long, uh, about an eight-foot line that he ran gouging with his key or some instrument. And... Uh, you know, I kind of laugh because does this Jew think I'm going to quit because he gouged my truck? It just makes me hate Jews even more. Right. Well, well I really think... It makes think... me double determined to do what we're doing. It tells me that blessed are ye when men shall revile you and speak evil of you because of my name's sake. Well, well, that's the bottom line is I, I believe that they somehow know that the end of their world is coming. It but is. Christians should glory the day. Christians should not fear that. Christians should not be caught up in, in um, external fables such as Nibiru, Planet X, whatever you want to call it. Christians should not be caught up in signs in, in the... In the heavens, when all of the signs of the days of Noah are right in front of our faces, we this should... is a time of rejoicing. Count it all joy. If they have to resort to clowns like David Mead to uh, cause a hullabaloo of an end of the world, you know, their world is coming to an end. Praise yes, the it Lord, is. you know. I mean, it, it just goes to show that Babylon is crumbling at the seams. They have to resort to such things. And, and we certainly should rejoice. There's no doubt. And it's not working anymore for them. One thing I can say about Trump is that 
he he's sort of put in people's hearts a new kind of um, rebellion that people know have known for a long time that things just aren't right, and but they don't realize that Trump is part of the problem. <laughs> but people are hopefully becoming more outspoken. Um, you know, I, I I listened to your program last Saturday with those three brothers. And um, it, it was kind of I was kind of saddened that they they work in a factory where political correctness is so um, heavy that any resonance of of Christian righteousness or race is is met with penalties and punishments. And uh, I don't know how much longer uh, uh, the bread and circuses, the, the sports and porn can uh, uh, keep the white man from rebelling. Well, I know some of them will just be pacified to the grave, but... Um, uh, I pray to God that that we have men that will rise. What's the point of writing about a rise and thresh if nobody ever does it? Well, well, at some point we're going to have to do it because the Word of God tells us that it will happen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, Pastor Downey, and and it's been a pleasure. Um, the end of the world is coming, and we should count it all joy, but it's not coming tomorrow, and it's not coming in in the fashion that these um, worldly false prophets would like to think. It's just not. It, it's, it might be coming to a movie theater near you, yeah, right. but in reality, it ain't going to happen. Absolutely not. I'm going to end this program by playing something that I, um, a, a little talk that I actually gave, and, and just as I started off with an article from February of 2010, and I was working with Eli James at the time, un, unfortunately and unfortunately, let me say that good and bad came out of it, but, but, um, that's why I wrote Disdaining the Culture of Fear, was to counter some of the pap that he was selling as Christianity back in February of 2010. And now I'm going to play something called Newspaper Eschatology, which is not quite 20 minutes long. It's probably about 18 minutes long. I couldn't break it off clean. I, I had to break it off with the conversation I had with the caller because it's part of the old Christogenia Open Forum program from when I did open radio and, and open program format and, and took whoever called and, and spoke to them, right? So I'm going to end the program with that. And this is about 18 minutes. And even though this concerns the Gulf oil spill and some of the end-of-the-world rhetoric that was going on in Christian identity at that time, the um, the thought processes that this represents, the mentality that this represents, 
still needs to be countered today. And, and for that reason, that this is, even though the, the paradigm is old, this is every bit as relevant today. And we're going to play that, and that'll be the end of the program. Thank you for joining me. Thank Praise you, Bill. Yahweh, Blessings. the God of Israel. And it's a pleasure to have you here once again. Hello, this is William Fink. This is the Christagenia Open Forum, and it was the first one of 2011. It is January 3rd, 2011. I can read my watch, right? I want to talk a little bit about the weather. It's the, the panic is incredible to me, and, and what's even more incredible is that m- many Christian identity pastors feel that they have to be, um, that they have to forerun the news, or they have to forebode events. And, and I don't think I have to forebode any events. I, I don't think any of us do. I, I don't, whatever happens, happens. What we're told in the, in, in the gospel over and over. And, and in the epistles of John, not to fear, not to fear their fear. Do not be afraid. John says that if you have fear, yeah, basically, that there's no love in it. Yeah, if you have fear, your Christian love is lacking, and your understanding of the word and the will of God are lacking. That's just the way it is. I fear nothing. My aim is to fear nothing. Whatever happens, happens. I, I mean, if I see something that's within my control, I will try to set it right if I could do something about it. If I can't, then I have to accept that what happens to me, my loved ones, the people around me in my life is the will of my God, and, and there's a lesson in it, and, and it, it's the fate of, of our family member or, or whoever else is involved, our friends, that, that's just the way it is. There are some things we can control. There are some things we can't. Of course, we should um, work to, to, to supply ourselves with the basic needs in life. He who doesn't work shouldn't eat, right? Well, he who doesn't work doesn't deserve to. And, and, um, and, and that's as far as it should go. We should put our faith in the hands of, of our God and, and our fate in the hands of our God. And, and there's people that love to forerun the news. They love to forebode catastrophe after catastrophe. I have a paper on my site. I've mentioned it here before. I'll mention it again. It's, um, it's, it's basically disdaining the culture of fear. And it's a short paper, but it, it expresses what I felt it had to express, that we shouldn't get caught up in these traps. And the latest trap is the oil crisis in the Gulf of Mexico and the Gulf Stream. And, and, you know, I know we can't trust our government to tell us the truth time and again. And we can't trust our government to do the right thing time and again. But that doesn't mean that we should be caught up in panic every time there's an event. But we should take things as they come. And, and no man knows when the end is going to be here or by what device it, it's going to happen. We have to wait for, as we're told many times in Scripture, wait for that day and wait for our Savior and hold fast our faith until it gets here. And, and catching each other up in, 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 in bullshit and fear and, and making each other afraid of, of, of what might come upon us tomorrow, that's not Christian. That's anti-Christian. That's just where the Jews love to see us. They love to see us caught up in all that trash, in, in conspiracy theories and, and this and that. They're all evil. Well, what's the conspiracy? The conspiracy 7,000 years old started in the Garden of Eden, right? 
There's only one conspiracy theory. I'd like to talk about the weather. It, it's um, yeah, you know, it, it was a little colder than normal in December in in Britain and Ireland, and and right away people want to unplug the world and 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 say the end is near because um, because some pipes broke. Yeah, I have a friend in Ireland. He's been here, and and some of his pipes broke. Well, well, the Irish, yeah, you know, here in New York, when we run pipes outside, we run them deep under the ground, three, four feet under the ground. Because we, if we don't bury them that deep under the ground, we're going to expect them to break. If your pipes break and you didn't bury them below the frost line when you laid them, whose fault is that? I don't, I don't know. At least two, three feet underground they should be. The, the um, Britain experienced record low temperatures in December. Um, Maybe maybe lower since they started recording temperatures. That that's what some sites that that's what some sources claim. Are they that bad? I don't think they're that bad. Let's let's see. The lowest temperature was negative twenty one degrees in Scotland on December second. Negative twenty one degrees centigrade, not Fahrenheit. Centigrade. That's negative six degrees Fahrenheit. Let me tell you something. I've been out running. I've gone out and run five miles in negative ten degrees and never had a problem. Shorts and a sweatshirt and gloves. Gloves are important. And a hat. Um, negative six degrees is not bad. I, I've woke up many nights here in, in the last two years in, in upstate New York, and December is not our coldest month. January. And the beginning of February is usually the coldest period of the year. And it's typical that we wake up and it's negative 12 degrees or negative 15 degrees at 6 a.m. On, on, on a January morning here. Negative 6 degrees Fahrenheit, not negative 21 centigrade. That sounds horrible, right? But it's really not that bad. And that was the lowest temperature in Scotland in December. I'm going to keep talking about this because this isn't, I mean, there was a lot of snow in December in in in, in Britain, and and the the Brits aren't really accustomed to it. So just like the American South last year, I mean, last year in Virginia, and and Lower Pennsylvania, Southern New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, North Carolina, those states got a lot of snow here last year, and it's a big thing in Virginia because it usually doesn't snow that much, and and they're very um, caught off guard by it. That, that's the way it is. But you have to, every, every once in a while, you're going to get a winter like that. And, and Britain's lowest ever recorded temperature in November was minus 23 degrees Celsius. That's like minus 7 degrees Fahrenheit in, in Braemar in the Scottish Highlands on November 14th, 1919. So it was almost that cold again this year. But we see on November 14th, 1919, in Braemar, B-R-A-E-M-A-R, in the Scottish Highlands, it was minus 23 degrees Fahrenheit. Did that set a trend? No. Was the Gulf Stream, was there a, a, a Gulf of Mexico filled with oil that was going to shut down the Gulf Stream to cause that? I don't think so. I'm going to keep talking about this because I have a lot more to say about it. Syracuse, New York, where I live, December, average high and low temperatures. In um, 1964, on December 12th, it was negative 10 Fahrenheit. In 1953, on December 21st, it was negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. This is, you know, this, there's a whole lot of temperatures in that range in, on December dates in, in Syracuse, New York. And that's up here. And, and that, that's when it happens, it's normal. It's not the end of the world. 
That that's from the National um, Weather Services Forecast Office website. That those those numbers. The record low for Syracuse, New York, on de- for December is negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit on December 25th in 1980. So that's and and the maximum snowfall is 18.6 inches on the 30th in 1997. That's, um, I mean, it happens once in a while. That's we live in a winter climate. Britain is a lot further north on 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 the um, in latitude than New York is, but our weather is generally colder because we're in the mountains. And Britain does benefit greatly from the Gulf Stream. On the um, on the Saxon Messenger site, uh, uh, just to let, let's put things in perspective, right? With this weather thing, okay? On the Saxon Messenger site, I have a page, and it has four pictures of a frozen Niagara Falls. If you've ever seen Niagara Falls, it's pretty incredible. The volume of water that goes over Niagara Falls every every second for that to freeze. And these pictures are really pretty incredible. They show people standing in the frozen falls. And and the water is frozen in 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 mid in in mid fall in mid flight it, it's it's really pretty cool to see and and um but let me let let me read what i wrote on on this page and and i just posted it today i had these pictures in a file waiting for um somebody from britain sent me these these pictures tia teffy sent me these pictures 2 years ago for me to um to just to see them and and since i save everything that that i think is going to be worthy or valuable to me at at one time or another. I saved these pictures and, and in preparation for tonight I remembered that I had these pictures of frozen Niagara Falls and I went and dug them out and posted them. Why do so many people see the end of the world in a little adverse weather? And then after things get back to normal, whatever normal is, all is forgotten including God of course, until the next looming catastrophe comes along. Why do men thrive on fear? As the Apostle John said in his epistles, there is none of God's love in fear. If you fear, your lack of faith as a Christian is fully evident. That's just the way it is. You're trusting God and fear nothing. Now, to address the recent cold spell in Britain and Ireland, let us make a note that Niagara Falls is frozen over on many occasions throughout history, and so has the Thames. I was corrected tonight. It's the Thames River. I see an, a T-H and an A, and the English see a T-E on I guess it's their river. I'll pronounce it the way they do. And 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 the Thames River in London has very often frozen over. And and I have some dates here. And this is right from Answers.com. And it could be found in a lot of different places. One of the earliest accounts of the Thames River freezing over comes from 250 A.D. from Roman historians when it was frozen for it was frozen solid for nine weeks. This is the Thames River, was frozen solid for nine weeks in 250 A.D. In 923, the river was open to wheeled traffic. They were taking wagons and carts across the frozen river for trade and the transport of goods for 13 weeks. In nine, in, I'm sorry, in 1410, for 14 weeks. From 1400 into the 19th century, there were 24 rivers in which, I'm sorry, 24 winters in which the the Thames River was recorded to have frozen over in London. And, And 
There's a list of years here, 1408, 1435, 1506, 1515, 1515, the historic record tells us that it has stayed that way for as long as 14 weeks. That is three months. That's the entire winter. That is a cold winter. This winter that we've had this year is not evidently a cold winter. Because I, I checked the other night. I checked on Thursday night. And, and the temperature in London was 32 degrees out. And, and that seemed pretty damned toasty to what it usually, compared to what it usually is here in New York. Uh, I would rather be in London, right? It was 32 degrees out in London, and it was 32 degrees that day in Berlin, Thursday evening, this past Thursday. Now, that's, I got a few more things to say about the weather, but not much. But obviously, this cold December wasn't coldest we've had in London, we've obviously had many much more colder winters. I mean, if the Thames River could freeze over, stay frozen for three months, and, and hold wagon and cart traffic with commerce, uh, I mean, that's pretty frozen, and, and um, I would say that it would have to be a hell of a lot colder then than this little December that we've just had. I don't think that the Gulf Stream has stopped functioning at all, and I sure as hell don't think that it's the end of Europe as we know it, as some people would rather have us believe it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. We have to be more careful than that, and we have to be more cautious and more sober-minded when we think about that the events which we, we we pray as Christians that that the end of the age events are upon us. We look forward to the return of our Redeemer. We do. We all do, and we all should. But we should never panic over the news, and and we should never panic over what we think is going to happen. We shouldn't even panic over what's happening. Never mind what we think might happen. That's just crazy. Why do we get our asses all wound up over this garbage? I, I don't get it. There's been many times in history where, where we've had warming and cooling periods, and 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 not only over um over a short winter or or two or or a a um a scattered month in the winter here and there, but but we've had um long periods of cold weather in in um in the, in the Greek and Roman classics in Diodorus Siculus and in Strabo, we see that the the Greeks wrote at it was so cold north of the Danube that they couldn't. They said it was uninhabitable. They couldn't imagine anybody living there. And and now we see, you know, it's evident why the Goths and the and the Vandals and and all of those Germanic tribes they wanted to press west of the Rhine and south of the Danube into the lands of the Empire. Right? They they were trying to press into those lands for centuries because it was better climate. It, it was very cold in in the north. And, and very difficult to um, inhabit in the wintertime. In, um, in, in the 12 and 1300s, 
And, and I'm sorry, and, and as early as the 10th century through the 14th century, we had a, a period of warmth in the north, and, and it was so warm that when the Vikings started on their long sailing voyages, and, and they were able to do that because it was long enough the summers and warm enough that they could cross the ocean and get back to Scandinavia before the, the uh, before it grew too cold to be on the sea, right? And, and uh, they came across Greenland. It really was Greenland. Uh, I mean, they weren't hallucinating. They weren't smoking mushrooms and, and settled on some frozen, uninhabitable tundra and called it Greenland out of the, the Jews, a lot of Jews say, oh, that was propaganda to get people to move there. Propaganda, my butt, it was Greenland. Read the ancient sagas. Read the accounts. It was a beautiful, lush land. It was forested, and, and it was um, it was bountifully, you know, equipped with, with um, fauna and, and flora. And, and they called it Greenland because it was. And, and they settled in Newfoundland, Newfoundland and Labrador because they were very, a very habitable region there. It was a lot warmer at that time. And, and when it got cold at the end of the, um, I would think probably in the 14th century, but when it got too cold, they stopped sailing on those long voyages. That's just the way it is. It got too cold to sail from, from the, the north of England and, and the northern regions from Scandinavia. So they stopped. And, and that was to the good fortune of, of the Spanish and the English and the French who lived in a more temperate climate and had a longer sailing season. It, it's that simple. So, so most of the, um, the era of settlement was, was the English and the French and the Spanish had, had a, a, a much more a much greater opportunity to take it to take advantage of that because it was too cold for the northern countries to embark on those long voyages anymore. They stopped. Real simple. The Danes couldn't do it anymore. Norwegians couldn't do it anymore. And, and that's all I'm going to say about the climate. It, it's we had one cold month. It's not the end of the world. These people that 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 um. Thought the Gulf Stream was going to shut down because of some oil crisis in the Gulf, and and how much oil spilled into the Gulf is still a mystery. The New York Times, I have an article posted on the Christiania Forum somewhere. The New York Times claimed that all the oil evaporated. It, it may, it might just be that most of it was hype, and that the oil spill wasn't half as bad or a tenth as bad as anybody thought, or it might just be that the oil is there, but it's not having the effect that people thought about or, or hoped it would have. And there's still people beating that drum that the Gulf Stream shut down. If the Gulf Stream did shut down, I, I guarantee you one thing, the Thames River would probably be frozen. That, that, I think that would be a safe bet, and it's not. I'm going to recognize some people here. That, that's my um, two cents for this week. Hello, Victor. Hello, Bill. Hello, Bruce. Yeah, I'm, with you. I'm with you on these um, community theory nuts. Constantly something going on. Something's about to tear us up or kill us all. And, and you've got some people here in Arkansas that's freaking out over a bunch of dead animals. I heard about the and bird kill, a thousand, or, or I've seen estimates as high as 5,000 of, of this certain kind of blackbird died. This has happened before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not yes. new. Yes, well, I, I don't know about the numbers, okay? But I'm going to tell you, as someone who has grown up in the countryside of Arkansas, it is not unusual to find large numbers of dead birds in one area. 
The reason this is getting media hype is because it happened within city limits. Okay? It's no big deal. Now, it's the fish. People are trying to connect the birds and the fish. It's happened in two different places in Arkansas. The fish were a bunch of drumfish. They're bottom feeders. So I really don't think there's a connection between the two. <laughs> Whatever it is. Thank you.